Hello there, listeners of the Even Baddies Wear Helmets podcast. Uh, it's Billy here. How are you doing? How's your week been? Hope you've had a lovely week. Hope you're getting lots of sunshine. Um, I want to say thank you, actually. Thank you for, for listening in. And also thank you uh, to the people who sent us some very nice messages. It's been really nice to know that people are listening. And, and as ever, if there is anyone you want us to talk to, any topics that you're really curious about when it comes to kids' telly, you can drop us a line. You can find us on social media at Even Baddies Pod. Um, yeah, that's... that's yeah, cheers. Um, well, what are we talking about today on episode six? What are we discussing? We are talking about presenting, specifically presenting for a preschool audience. And who are we talking to? We are talking to the wonderful Sita Thomas, who has been a presenter on Channel 5's Milkshake since 2015. As a presenter, Sita does all sorts, from teaching dance to arts and crafts, introducing TV shows, teaching us about different cultures, and giving those all-important birthday shout-outs. As well as being a presenter, uh, Sita is a theatre and movement director. She's worked with National Theatre Wales, Tamisha, Watford Palace Theatre, The Bush, and loads more. Uh, she also teaches and lectures at universities and drama schools, including the Royal Central School of Speech and Drama. This episode was really fun to record. Sita is an absolute ray of light, and I'm sure it will make you smile. She's also just got so many brilliant insights about the role that, that TV, that presenters play in, in children's lives. So I hope you enjoy it, and... I will see you very soon. Thanks for listening. Hello, Sita. Hey, Billy. Great to be chatting to you. How's it going? It's going really well, actually. I'm I'm feeling good today. How about you? I'm good. We just had the most beautiful weekend. I'm I'm in Cardiff at the moment. It's grey today, so but I'm still holding all of the sunshine energy from the weekends. Amazing. Well, let's let's get to it. So you joined Milkshake in 2015. How did you become a children's TV presenter? Yeah, I did. 2015. My gosh, that's been quite some time. It flies past. I actually had my first presenting job when I was 14 and it was for a CBBC show called Stitch Up, which was this really fun prank show that had, they'd already had two series of it. And I think we heard that there was this casting call for for series three of Stitch Up. And I was like, oh mom, that's that program that I love. And she said, well, you should go and audition for it. And I remember saying to her, no, I can't audition for that there's no way I'd ever get onto that and thankfully I have this mum who's just the most incredibly supportive person who knows what my passions are and just and just gives me the confidence uh, and the aspiration to go for things so I did and uh, we had such a fun audition process for that job I remember it really clearly loads of improvisations that I that there was this suitcase that they had I really clearly remember this suitcase that just had like the most random props in and they made us just improvise with them and there was like this skeleton in there and I did this whole bit it was ridiculous (laughs) but I got the job and so that was my first experience of you know professional presenting and my gosh it led to me getting pranked at school because people would be like oh look out there's a hole in front of you you got stitched up you know I never (laughs) lived it down (laughs) but that was my first taste of it and I think when you have an experience at that age when you're in front of cameras and that just feels 
you know, you grow a, co- a kind of confidence there. So mm. it just felt very natural. I didn't do any more presenting for quite a while, but I did lots of performing and I was a really active member of the National Youth Theatre of Great Britain. But I realised it wasn't really acting that I wanted to do. Um, although I loved being part of, you know, creating, whether that was creating theatre or being on sets, it was just those acts of coming together um, and doing something that was, you know, it's, it's as simple as that, creative acts just gave mm-hmm. me the best joy um, in life. So, but then um, I think the next part of the presenting, I was doing, I, along those years, I got invited to present a few short form documentaries. So I did that so kind of educational videos and really enjoyed it. Um and then the next thing that happened was they they did that search for Blue Peter, the next Blue Peter presented. Do you remember oh, yeah. that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they got... The hype around that. It was massive hype, wasn't it? <laughs> and I think that was a, a, a time in my life where I was, I think I was in the middle of doing a PhD. I, I think I was about 22 or something like that. And... And I went, oh, that would be fun. But at that time, I was so not doing presenting stuff. Um, so I made this show reel, which was, <laughs> I, I do, um, I, I was working professionally as a Bollywood dancer at the time. I think as we talk, you'll realize there are loads of kind of quite random things <laughs> to my to my career, but they definitely <laughs> do tie together. So I was Bollywood dancing. And so I did this film where I, I kind of set a, a Blue Peter challenge where I taught a group of young people in a school how to do a Bollywood dance in like 20 minutes it was really fun and so that got me through some rounds and I went over to Manchester and I was doing screen tests and everything didn't get the job um but I think Channel 5 saw saw that showreel that I'd made I think they saw it Mm. on YouTube and invited me in to audition for Milkshake so that was another case of going through lots of rounds they had we had dancing rounds singing rounds um we had to do some script work and then we got I think I got down to maybe the final two for the job and then we went into the studio and we had to present like links for the morning so it was like full-on you were doing the job you had people in the gallery talking to you doing the countdowns and you you just had to present the show and guess what I didn't get the job (laughs) I know I didn't get the job um they uh, they selected another presenter that year and it was I I love sharing this story with people, you know, because especially people who are actors or presenters in this industry, because everyone gets knockbacks, right? And mm. I think it's quite easy to be crushed by those things, especially when you go so far. But what I learned from that is, even if it's a no, as long as you have made, you know, done your best job that you can at that time, and you've been a nice person and you have formed good connections with people even if it's in auditions like that's never a door shut it can always lead to something and lo and behold the following year um they got back in touch and they were like we're looking for another presenter are you still interested in in presenting I was like I'm a year down the line of my PhD and this time I was so chilled about it because I was like ah you know I had got so hyped the year before I was so ready to do it I was ready for these early morning starts and then um I went and I think there was something in not being nervous about being just laid back and and they offered it to me. Um, and that was 2015. I got the job and there we started my career as the milkshake presenter. So, Billy, I'm so sorry. That was a massively <laughs> long-winded story. It's such a good story, though. And it's such, like you say, it's such a nice um, kind of testament to the fact that, you know, that like I said, it's never a door closed. There's always 
there's always opportunities that will come further down the line. It's a no is 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 never just a no. There's always something that you can learn or a connection that you can make or something like that. Um, I think so. I think so. It's wonderful. Uh, so for those who who haven't tuned into Milkshake, <laughs> can you just describe a little bit about what uh, being a presenter on the show actually involves? <laughs> Absolutely. I won't do that embarrassing thing of singing the theme tune to keep it. <laughs> so Milkshake is um, a show that is on every single day. I think of the entire year we we go across Christmas wow. as well every single day from six o'clock to about nine o'clock in the morning on channel five if you were to switch on the tv you'd basically see a wonderful morning full of different programs for our, our key audience is about up to seven years old so I think we we aim for like young people who are between two to seven and then in between all of these shows you know like um Paw Patrol, Peppa Pig, you know all those classics um as well as some brilliant new programs that we have each year um you'll have presenters doing links so we'll be saying all right so that was an episode of Peppa Pig we'll do some birthday shout outs in our links um that's one of my favorite things to do is is showing birthday cards for young people we might do a dance routine um and then we'll say right coming up next we've got Thomas and Friends and then we'll take you into the show so that's what you can expect for a, for a milkshake morning there's a lot going on there is a lot to do <laughs> oh amazing um something that I'm really interested in um is how you kind of pitch yourself tonally when presenting. I mean, when watching you, you kind of feel like a friend or, or even a big sister. Uh, it, it, and it feels important that you don't um, talk down to children, even if, if your audience is very young. And I'm, I'm curious to know how you approach kind of engaging with them on their level. Yeah, it's spot on. It's just such an important balance, isn't it, when you're uh, presenting for young people. The, the thing that I did from from my first show that I presented back in 2015, I actually printed out a couple of pictures of a young family from Wales, Welsh Indian family, who the kids at that time were like two and four, I think. And I just imagined that I was speaking to them. And you can go oh. so far as putting their pictures next to the camera. I actually just had them on my on, on the desk that we used to have in the set so that I could look at them just before delivering to a linked camera and go, that's who's behind this camera. That's who I'm speaking to. So you're, you're really not speaking into a void. It's so different from theatre, isn't it? Where you can actually mm. you have a live audience. You can really see who you're speaking to directly. So that's the thing that I always do is just remind myself who are those kids who are having their breakfast or getting ready for school who are watching that tv and you speak directly to them and there isn't anything about you know um I think we have to be ourselves but for me it's about being my most joyous exuberant enthusiastic positive self hoping to bring um a smile and some bright energy to everyone's mornings that's such a lovely the the idea of having a physical presence, so like a reminder of yeah of, of I suppose thinking very specifically instead of going oh children everywhere going this is the particular family these are the particular kids that that really makes it feel so personable and so um, yeah really friendly. Um, oh, that's that's so interesting. Oh, amazing. Definitely. Um, I think it helps with nerves as well at the start because you know the alternative is to go the figure route and you just go oh my gosh there are this many million people tuning in this morning and you can get totally overwhelmed. So I agree with you. Mm -hmm. It's about the more specific you can be, the more that helped me relax as well like it mm -hmm. is it's to an individual family and then of course you multiply that and multiply that by the amount of people who tune in 
but that's how I think I do my best kind of personable big sister approach I love that you made me smile when you said that <laughs> <laughs> I mean as well you're, you're one of a, a group of presenters working on the show and I wondered um is is there a process of kind of developing an, an individual persona as a presenter I mean persona sounds potentially a bit disingenuous but <laughs> I mean in the sense that how you kind of find your your niche in terms of the skills and, and your personality especially when you're like I say one of a group of presenters on the show yeah definitely I think it just starts with who you are and you kind of hone that what what makes you unique and special and that's different for all of the amazing presenter team that we have at the moment on Milkshake so um for me you go yeah what are those things that make me different or unique from everyone else so that's the fact that I am Welsh I am Indian um I I have a, a dance background I'm a Bollywood dancer um I um yeah I have this kind of we all are enthusiastic but I think we're enthusiastic in different ways um Mm. and so those things you can really hone those I think so for example we've got David who's a presenter who's just an amazing musician and singer and so wherever he can within his links and within within extra programs that he makes you know he'll be creating things that speak to that just as I will you know we we made a Bollywood bop song so everyone's got a dance that they do whether it's an action song or a sporty song mine we did we created a Bollywood bop and one of the presenters Kemi she's an awesome composer as well so she she wrote that song we put some lyrics together and then that becomes your unique thing so everyone will know when they watch in the morning our seat is on so we'll be doing the Bollywood bop and I think yeah that's that's how you can each develop as you say it's not necessarily a persona but it's just celebrating those things that make you unique and what and those things that you can share with everyone else yeah like looking at what you have already and in your skill set and just using that Definitely. To, to its full potential and, yes. and working as a team as well the, I didn't realize that was it Kemi that wrote it the, the Kemi, music for that yeah song. Kemi wrote the music for that song David and Derek do some uh, have done writing for another a series called um, Bot Box that we've been doing um, Bot Box Boogie you've got such a variety of what people are passionate about that you know you've got a presenter mm. who loves um working with BSL so you can create BSL videos for example that's an awesome learning point isn't it and sharing different languages um and likewise with Bollywood Mm. dancing you know you've got access to um learning about cultural heritage but also keeping fit and keeping active so yeah we do we we're a multi-skilled bunch it's kind of like I was thinking it seems like a team of superheroes like <laughs> how you kind of have like each one has their own special power it feels a bit like that Jen's special um, power is baking <laughs> I mean it's a good one to have <laughs> Definitely. so you've been presenting on the show now for five coming up on six years mm. I was gonna say like, that seems like a long time but since that you got your first presenting gig when you were a teenager that that feels like nothing in a way mm. um and I know the show underwent this big rebrand in, in 2017 can you just tell me a little bit about how Milkshake has developed and changed during your, your time presenting it yeah it did you've done your brilliant research pretty <laughs> yeah we did though if you look back at some of the pictures for, from what the set used to look like to what it does now my gosh that was a big rebrand so we um I can't remember if it was tied directly to the rebrand I think we might have moved beforehand so we moved studios so we were in a new studio a bigger studio um 
And then we got this amazing new set, which has a chair in it. We never used to, we used to just be behind um, like a desk. So you just see our top half. And then we kind of had an arch that was framed by um, lots of different beautiful drawings that our audience had sent in. But now we're in a much bigger space so we can walk around. There are loads of loads more opportunities for different framing, different camera angles. Um, we started to introduce weekends with two presenters. So we'd always just been one presenter and then we had the opportunity to be able to co-present and bounce off each other, which I absolutely loved. Um, we had new songs. We had so just a whole new look. We had a new theme tune, <laughs> all of that. <laughs> and um, and then with that, I think every year, I think they Milkshake constantly look at, you know, commissioning new programs and everything. But I think that was that was a clear, a clear shift. Um, I think it's brilliant. I love it. I loved it as it was, but everything, um, always you're going to better yourself if you go through a process of development, aren't you? So Mm. yeah, those were the, on the ground, that's the main, those are the main ways that we experienced it. It was actually the, you know, the studio and what we had to interact with around us with the, in terms of the set. And as a, as a presenter, then how, how was your kind of approach to, to the role changed during that time? Is there anything that you sort of wish you'd known at the start potentially or or, or just I don't know I suppose with with that big rebrand and, and this new look and the, and the and new platforms as well I guess it's always changing and you're always going online now and things like that mm-hmm. Does, um, has, has your thinking about presenting changed? I think I've become and this is thanks to the team way more confident to actually pitch ideas and generate content whereas before I used to feel like I was coming in and slotting in to this kind of big thing that existed already I -hmm. definitely feel that over the time there's been this um, wonderfully supportive development where um, for example exactly as you said like we now have all these additional platforms we're we're creating content for YouTube for Instagram socials etc so for example um some of the ways that that has manifested is that what's really important to me in all of my work is how I'm increasing representation of people and communities who've been historically underrepresented so even the very act of me presenting a show I feel like that is kind of political in itself like I really didn't see many people who look like me on tv growing up and so for me now it's so important that I am a representative of all those young brown kids who are watching so I do wear my bindi I do celebrate Diwali when we're having Diwali mornings and what I've been able to pitch and especially in lockdown this has become um, something that we've really kind of celebrated and, and made happen is like making short films about Ramadan and Eid. And I mean, we've just done one about St. David's Day. So whereas Mm. before, like, we didn't really have those. We didn't really, I'd never felt like I could pitch an idea like that, but I've been able to pitch them and we've just gone, yeah, let's make it because it's so important to to represent and to celebrate what's happening before we would do Christmas, you know? Um, And I think it's a really clear step forwards and and mission at the moment for Milkshake to really represent all of these diverse cultural activities, celebrations, um, and all of the people who tune in and watch Milkshake every morning. That's amazing. And the, I mean, there's so much that I want to talk about. Yes, that's so exciting. Let's go. Because <laughs> I mean, there's, um, like you said, the opportunity to pitch things. I wondered how much is that, like all these different videos. Even, I mean, there's, there's the kind of the things like milkshake walks where you're kind of taking us on these little journeys, spotting wildlife and mm-hmm. stuff like that, little craft sessions at home. But then also those videos that do really spotlight different traditions and different cultures mm. in a way that feels 
very joyful and accessible and I mean as as a queer woman watching the one about pride I got I got like choked up I was sat there like it's it's showing us all these different families who are watching the show and who are now seeing themselves on the show and it just feels so important I would very much yeah I won't gush too much but if anyone is is looking for something to brighten their day absolutely go on milkshake's <laughs> youtube channel and just watch through those because they're they're wonderful um but i should probably ask you a question about it but <laughs> well i'd love to talk about that that pride one actually because mm. it goes back to that question you asked about you know i what makes our kind of unique personas and again so like i grew up as so i identify as queer i'm in a lesbian relationship and when i grew up in a rural village in wales i didn't see that representation so mm. i didn't even know it was a thing do you know what i mean and yeah. like the yeah. The most joyous thing, um, for one of the most joyous things for me is when we get birthday cards in and it says, often we go, lots of love from your mum, dad, blah, blah, blah. And when we get the ones in that are lots of love from your mama and mum or your dad and daddy, I'm just like, yes, we need to really <laughs> celebrate this. And yeah, so yeah, yeah. when it came to, you know, we'd had this, I'd really enjoyed making the films about Ramadan and Eid. And then I thought, you know, we, we were coming up to Pride and I, I, so I pitched the idea, yeah, can we make something that's about pride? And you have all of those conversations about speaking directly to our audience, like what's the best way to frame that? Because we're not really in, um, in the realms of talking about issues of sexuality at this age. So what, mm. what are the ways that you can do it? And you, so we went down the route where we reached out to families who had, who did have queer parents, for example, um, and you just showcase that milkshaker. So you say, here's Ennis enjoying playing football in the garden with his mama mama. And I think it's as simple as that. Just that's just mm. representation. That's just showing life. Like the <laughs> and just celebrating yeah, yeah. families. And I think the very act of going, this is a film celebrating love. For if you can start at that age, I think that's how we yeah. see this generational shift that we really want to see where we're not in a situation of continued discrimination, that it really is accepted and embraced as the norm. Like kids don't even have to question it if they've seen in the mornings, they've seen those models. It's It can be just mum or just dad or mum and dad or mum and mum. Like whatever that family setup is, we embrace and we celebrate love. So I'm, it's one that I'm super proud of and I hope we'll continue it each year. It's wonderful. And I mean, like I said, that, that, the conversation with the viewers as well feels really important it's something that kind of happens across milkshake with like the birthday shout outs and stuff I remember being a kid even if I like I don't know it's something about sitting watching it going is someone gonna give me a shout out today (laughs) there's a real kind of excitement anticipation about it and being able to see themselves on screen feel like they're part of that world um how I mean you've sort of touched on this a little bit is that that being able to pitch ideas is something that's come about across the time that you've been presenting it's a more recent thing I wondered how much as a presenter do you have input in in the actual content of the show yeah I think we do we have we have we create the scripts you know so we have Mm -hmm. total um input obviously we know what the show is we know who our audience is so that's always going to guide um the kind of content that you generate but we we're not given scripts we're given the kind of morning so we'll have the breakdown of here here's the layout of the programs you're going to have 30 seconds to speak here 15 seconds here you've got a minute there what would you like to do in it 
it's genuinely oh, that. Wow. What would you like to do in it? So often we know that whenever you have a kind of one minute plus slot, that's a perfect time to put a dance in um, because the dances won't fit into smaller sections. So that takes care of itself. Um, any longer ones, you can put crafts in as well. And then 30 seconds, what are you going to talk about? So often I'll be guided by what the day is. Is it a special day? So for example, if I know it's um, any South Asian uh, festival day, I'm going to do research and on that day I'll be in my links, you know, sharing what that day means to to lots of people. So it is it's it's as open as that, really. And then when it wow. yeah, when it comes to pitching the kind of shorts, um, I think it was that was really inspired by lockdown. And it's something that we're continuing in terms of the learning that happened with that. And I, I'm sure it's going to carry on going going forwards. So we were doing kind of lockdown activities, stay at home. As you said, I did the milkshake walks. We did acts of kindness because that felt really important. And and so there we were generating content that was going out on air and then that was going on the YouTube channel as well. I think it's just something that worked really well. As you say, because you can feature more milkshakers. That's the kind of route that I went down. Rather than just focusing on myself presenting something, it's it, for me, it's constantly about thinking, how can you represent those young people and tell the stories through their eyes? So rather than me saying... It's a, um, everyone who's listening, it's like, it's the 2nd of March at the moment. I don't know if you're okay for me to say that, Billy, but yesterday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't reveal the date. Ah! <laughs> um, yesterday was the 1st of March and I created this St. David's Day insert that went out on air. And it wasn't just, it could have been three minutes of me telling you about the legends of St. David and what we do. It's like, actually, if you reach out to, and I, because I'm Welsh, that's really easy with all my networks of people, um, you go, let's tell it through your experience. What do you enjoy doing? So then you have these gorgeous stories of people going, I made a dragon out of sushi and I took it to school. <laughs> or I love speak, practicing speaking Welsh and singing songs. And that's how young people can learn about it through other young people, you know? I, mm. I love that approach. Um, so I can't remember where we started with the question, but I hope <laughs> Sushi dragon, I mean, what's not to love it's about a good the image of that? Yeah. <laughs> What would you say is the most challenging thing about being a children's presenter? And is it whether or not the milkshake monkey is a massive diva? (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I could give you so many secrets about filming with milkshake monkey. Um, (laughs) um, There's nothing difficult about being um, a TV presenter. Nothing at all. It's a complete joy. Something that I always find fun when people say, oh, what's it like? How do you do it? Is it difficult? Um, I, I set them a challenge. Anyone listening, like this is your challenge of uh, <laughs> this is what you can do at home to figure out whether you'd enjoy being a, a milkshake presenter or not. So if you on your phone, just record yourself counting down to um, 20 seconds. So you, you do coming to you in five, four, three, two, one then count 20 seconds and then just as you get to 15 um say all right coming out in five four three two one zero sorry that was a bit boring everyone knows how to count so (laughs) i'm just giving you a sense of like so then so then put some headphones into your phone and like put that in one ear 
So listen to that. And then as soon as you get your cue, speak nonstop for 20 seconds. Speak about anything, but know that by the time it gets to zero, you have to have rounded up your sentence. You can't go a millisecond over zero. Otherwise, you'll get completely cut off in mid-sentence. You can't finish three seconds early because then you're going to have three really awkward seconds of you just looking to camera. You have to finish on that time. And if you've not said something, if you've missed something out, or if you've said too many random words, like just have a go at doing that. There's your test. And Billy, I'd love to hear you do this. And and that's when you realize, okay, that's the kind of, that's the key challenge. That's the skill set yeah. that you need to have. You need to be able to um, not allow your eyes to flicker when people are talking to you. You've got a whole gallery of director's assistants like speaking to you in your ear, um, but you have to make it look as though you're complete, nothing else is going on at all um, and that you're just speaking nicely to camera and managing to to land on that zero. So there is a lot going on inside in your head, like which camera am I facing? Okay, now I'm cutting to the other camera. Uh, now I'm, I'm reading the back of this message in the card. I'm having to record this, this, this. Um, and I think that's what, like some people just can do that really naturally. I think mm. it is something that you definitely can learn and practice. My gosh, I practiced so much um, when I was starting. And then you just feel the rhythm of it. So innately, <laughs> have you ever watched, this is so random, but you know, the, the cube, is it the cube? That, yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so you know that challenge where they do, that you have to press the button and you have to land exactly on like 30 seconds. Yes. So <laughs> I did this at home and you know, my partner was like way off. And I was literally bang on because I know innately what 30 seconds feels That's like. Mad. I was just like, what's the most challenging thing? You're like, oh, nothing. It's easy. But all of this, I'm like sweating at the thought of this. How Such funny pressure. Is that? I'd never need to know what the, how long 30 seconds is in any other context. I mean, that's. I mean, it could come in handy if you sort of bank it up for I don't know like how long it takes to boil an egg or something like that (laughs) again it's a superpower (laughs) so presenting milkshake is is just one small part of the work you do I mean we've touched on this you're also a director you're a theatre maker you're an academic um is it relatively common for children's presenters to have many different strings to their bone what does your working life look like how do you actually fit it in (laughs) I don't know you probably know this better than me I don't know many other kids tv presenters who are doctors necessarily I don't I think it's fun I do think you know you think about all the tv presenters every person does have their thing like one person may be amazing at football one person may you know everyone has their thing so I guess my thing is just that I am really passionate about the arts theatre tv filmmaking and happen to have had a PhD (laughs) done a PhD um what does my working life look like? It's very busy. <laughs> it's, it's really busy. I think, you know, it, the physical um, manifestation of it would be if I had 10 awesome baseball caps and then I would just, in one in any one given day, I'm probably picking up most of them, putting them on, doing a quick hour meeting, putting another one on, writing a quick script, putting another one on, writing an academic article, putting another one on, doing a tutorial for uh, an MA student who I'm working with, putting another one on, being leading um, uh, an arts organisation. You know, it, it genuinely is that. Like, if I talk to you about what I've got next after <laughs> speaking with you, <laughs> that's it. It's, it's, a, it's a juggle every single day and I wouldn't have it any other way because I love Mm. it so much firstly that there's that fundamental thing of being a freelancer um Mm. you know milkshake isn't every day we do have presenters we're on rotation so there's the thing of we all need to to find other work to sustain ourselves um 
And I've always been, I, I, I often encourage um, people who are early career as well. Anyone working in this industry, the more, for me, the more um, strings you have to the boat, the better. It mm. just makes you, it keeps you afloat during difficult times. I mean, we look at lockdown as well. The only reason I've been able to, you know, get through and survive through this is the fact that I'm able to pick up my academic side and carry on the teaching and, and writing work there that I'm able to carry on with Milkshake. I'm able to direct a theatre production, you know, all of that. Plus, um, they all feed into each other. Um, mm. The skill sets that I learn from one helps me. You know, pr- being a presenter means that if I have to present to a board for a theatre company I'm working with, or if I have to lead an academic conference, like the confidence that I have, I can speak in front of a camera that goes out in front of millions of people. <laughs> like <and> that, <laughs> That's so helpful. I know lots of other peers who get terrified to speak in front of others, for example. Um so they all absolutely interweave like having done a PhD just helps me with how I do how I approach research genuinely like how how I research um like Chinese New New Year for example like let's do that really properly let's not just go into any sorts of stereotypes let's do our proper research and then let's um present that back in a way that we're really thinking about the audience so for my phd like that written work was one kind of audience but the skills transfer to any other elements of my work um uh, so a, a, a big old tapestry of of my life that has lots of different colorful beautiful threads that interweave to create this uh career that i so love and I mean, like you say, that that the way in which they all they'll feed into each other is is really fascinating to me as well. That um, the conversations that happen between those different aspects of work, whether that is you you have an understanding of research or or there is a particular. I mean, I always think about academia and being able to explain complex things in the most simple terms in ways yes. that are engaging and entertaining. Yes, and not not I don't know, like yeah, that are accessible is 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 really brilliant. Um, can you just tell me a little bit more about your, your academic research? I'm really interested. Yeah, the PhD. So I examined issues of cultural diversity in the performance of Shakespeare in the UK. And I focused on the years 2012 to 2016, which is when I was actually writing the thesis. So I'd been to Warwick University. That's where I did my undergrad in English literature and theatre studies. Um, and then after that, I moved into London and did my MA in movement directing, which I got a scholarship for at Central School of Speech and Drama. So straight after that, I was ready to go into the the field this is before I started Milkshake into the field of freelancing as a filmmaker as a movement director working in theatre and then I had a, a kind of I think it was kind of a call from a wonderful professor professor Tony Howard um who I who had taught me on my undergrad and he said he he'd got this big kind of funding opportunity that was paying for like a team of three or four people to look into uh, what was termed multicultural Shakespeare and there was a PhD place as part of it so I so I, he was saying would you like to apply for this because I think it speaks to a lot of your passions I'd love Shakespeare and Warwick is so close to the to Stratford and the RSC so I'd had a lot of fun there and it, it spoke directly to my real passion and quest for unpicking like cultural diversity and representation. You know, I talked about this lack of seeing people like me on on TV or on the stage and then wanting to contribute to it, wanting to contribute Mm. to a positive shift forward so that we can get to a better place. Um, And so 
uh, analyzing that in terms of Shakespeare was a super interesting one because if you think of Shakespeare as being our British uh, biggest British cultural export, like that has such um, cultural capital, such power in that. And you know, if you look back um, throughout history, it's predominantly white people who've performed Shakespeare on on mainstream main stages across mm-hmm. the UK, and certainly in terms of leading roles. And it's only more recently that you've you people have been saying oh it's the first time we've had a black performer in this role as Hamlet and I always question is it the first time often like let's uncover what this history is and then you suddenly go actually it was the 1800s when this this black man Ira Aldridge played Othello in the West End and was artistic director of theatre in Coventry at that time you go you just go if we know our history if we if we can empower ourselves with that knowledge we know that we're not the first and actually we've got a lot more work to do more quickly um, <laughs> to get to a place of equity, equality and ultimately liberation. So I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed doing that and that feeds into my work. I've not directed a full Shakespeare produ- production yet. I think after doing it, I went, I'm really interested in new writing for now because Shakespeare exists <laughs> and that's awesome. But like, let's generate some new stories um, through our own voices. And so I'm looking forward to the time when I will come back to Shakespeare in, in the future and and direct a really cool production. As I'm talking to you, I, I, this is where the a seed plants, isn't it? Like, let's do a production, <laughs> site-specific Shakespeare production in a castle in Pembrokeshire in West Wales. Oh, and let's I mean, like, I'm sold. Oh, that would be cool, wouldn't it? And then you could <laughs> That'd actually... That'd be so cool. Yeah, you could do a scene on the beach and then like you can have the ghost scenes around the castle and you can go from room to room, you can have a feast. That'd be wicked, eh? <laughs> I mean, I really don't want to add to your like to-do list at this point, but I think... I I think that's yeah there's definitely something there and as well I mean I really love the way in which um Shakespeare is becoming accessible to young people or the, the, the conversations that are happening about that and whether you know it's important that kids get to learn about Shakespeare as well mm. um why why is it always Shakespeare that kind of stuff and I mean mm. I, I think about like the CBB's um Tempest and things like that that, that really did um open it out and make me view it in a different way so mm. I, I don't know if there's something there about your your academic practice and and the conversations that happen between that and, and working with young people but not necessarily just about research but about storytelling as well um it all crosses over and every idea leads to a new thing right so then you go yeah. oh let's make the version for young people and why don't we film it as well you know this is how it all starts to cross over so it's exciting <laughs> And going ahead then, um, is there anything you're particularly excited about working on next, whether that is is in presenting children's TV or, or not? Um, I am loving the trajectory that I'm on now. It's For me, it's just about constant development in each of the roles that I'm doing. So development as a presenter, just wanting to push and create more exciting new content, develop my own skills as well. Um, and as an artistic leader, so I'm at the moment, I'm maternity cover Art, um, artistic director of a company I love called Commonwealth who makes site-specific political theatre. I finished that job in September so I'm really keen to continue developing my leadership skills and hopefully get another artistic director job. Ultimately I hope I lead towards, <clears throat> here's my here's my dream, <laughs> having a, a, a centre and it sh- I, I want it to be in Wales because this is where I was born and bred, I'd love to make some big change here. So a big, big centre that families can come into 
anyone can come into and you might be able to see a play there'll be a, a floor where it's all filming studios so you could be presenting and generating tv and film content in there then you've got a library you've got a lovely cafe you've got an art space where people can get creative and um, and so I hope to kind of lead a space like that where I'm bringing everything together and just helping people to be creative day in day out to enjoy coming together communal community experience sharing learning growing together like that's my that's my dream that's where I'd like to get to in the future that sounds brilliant and so much of your work and across presenting across theatre um all the kind of documentaries and things are about encouraging creativity in other people and especially in young people um this is a very general question but I just wondered what what does creativity mean to you how how where is its value in in your life Mm, love that question creativity is everything it's just for me it's like an approach to being a human being right Mm. and I think the opposite of it is somebody who feels so tied to their job in terms of capitalism and just is on that daily grind where you just sit at a computer I mean even obviously that can be so creative in itself but it's like how do we live as human beings where we we put creativity into everything in our day like put creativity into your cooking like put creativity into how you play with your kids put creativity into how you plant seeds in your garden like or or in any green space that you have or a little pot that's going to go on your windowsill. I, mean, I really love the the phrase you used about it being an approach to being a human being, <laughs> I think. And that's and it sounds really huge, but in 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 something like getting kids to engage in craft or or in dance, just making it a part of your day-to-day life, a part of your routine. I think that's why I mean, I think about the kind of the 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 place of of children's presenters within children's lives as a regular friendly face. I mean, I probably saw more of Barney Harwood as a child than I did of certain members of my family so that that I don't think we can underestimate the the importance of of um having having that reliable creative outlet um, yes yes it's really exciting oh I, I mean I, I came into this kind of like Tuesday morning and now I feel ready to sort of go and bounce around and <laughs> <laughs> well, seize the day <laughs> that's job done and as a TV children's TV presenter that's exactly what I would hope from <laughs> any interaction with anyone it's been so lovely to talk and to anybody it's who's listening really thank you so much for for listening to me sharing some of my experiences today it's been so much fun just one more tiny question before we close up of but course. um what was your favourite TV show as a child or even your favourite kids show now? <laughs> I think my favourite kids show now, I've got a couple that are on Milkshake. So we've got a new one called Go Green with the Grimwades, um, which is all about um, sustainability as families, like what we can do in terms of recycling and everything. Like, I just love that. It's real people and it's really, really important lessons for us all to be living daily um in terms of our actions uh shane the chef all about healthy eating love that as well even though i'm a vegetarian and the shane's recipes aren't always vegetarian um but i really are you listening shane sort it out <laughs> come on shane <laughs> get it together <laughs> well i have a direct line to shane obviously so i'll you know i'll just speak to shane sort it out um and when i was younger it was stitch up how fun is that i got to present a show that was my favorite show when i was a kid it's like a dream. Ah, oh, amazing. <laughs> well, Sita, it has been an absolute joy. I'm grinning, grinning away. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Smiles <laughs> to everyone. Thank you so much for having me, Billy. 
You have been listening to Even Baddies Wear Helmets. The podcast was hosted by me, Billy Collins, produced by Cloda Chapman, with music from Finley Stafford, and our lovely logo was designed by Lucy Tiller. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can find us on social media at Even Baddies Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Make sure you subscribe, share, tell your mates. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you soon.